This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional. Hi, this is Susan Murray from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, tips for bringing home a new cat, a heartfelt story about dogs, the success of the Doggy Day Out program, and swag for pet parents. That's what's on our show this week. Let's go. Hey, did you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's national award-winning author and animal advocate, Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-host, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Email us at doggydivashow at aol.com. That's D-O-G-G-Y. D-I-V-A show at AOL.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. I'm here with Monica Layton, president of Professional Pet Sitting, and with our Pet Tip of the Week on something probably very important because so many of us have them and want to bring some into our house. So what's the best tips for bringing home a new cat? Yeah, so a little bit of... uh Research goes a long way, you know, finding a rescue in your area, of course. Um, recommendations by your veterinarian is wonderful. If you can adopt, always adopt. There's so many pets out there that need a great home. Um, also, if you've never had a cat before, I always tell people, go to the rescue once or twice. Just go in and volunteer to be a cat cuddler. You know, go in for an hour and play with the cats they have. Because one, if you're looking a cat, looking for a cat, it'll give you a good idea on which one is more personable, which one comes to you, things of that nature. But two, it'll let you know if you have any allergies or not. Because if you've never had cats before, unfortunately, we hear that a lot. Oh, you know, 
it's really affecting my allergies or, you know, my daughter has allergies. So if you've never owned a cat before, I always recommend just, you know, going as a family just one day and, you know, do kitty like, you know, kitty cuddling for the hour and make sure that, you know, you are okay um, before you make the commitment of, you know, adopting a, you know, forever pet. Um, the other thing is, you know, making sure that your pet has been spay and neutered, um, getting the background history on that pet whenever you do adopt it. Um, you know, we'll have clients come in on a regular basis that, you know, my friend had a litter of kittens and, you know, they were so cute. I took one. Wonderful. They gave, you know, a kitten a home. But, a lot of times, you know, has the kitten had any vaccines? Has it had this? Well, I'm not sure. So always ask. And, you know, if they did great, if they didn't, that's fine. You know, we, they'll get it taken care of. Um, it's just knowing what kind of history, you know, the pet has had. That way you're not repeating things that you don't have to or giving something, you know, that, you, you know, has already been done. Another thing is, um, you know, investing in a good quality litter, your litter box, your food, you know, you, same as with people, you are what you eat. So getting them a good stable food, um, you know, is, is definitely part of, you know, the longevity of, and the health of that cat. Um, making sure if the cat's under a year of age, you start out with a kitten. Kittens up to a year of age need a lot more vitamins and more nutrition than a cat that's one to six or even six and up. Um, the different stages in your life, you know, you're going to require more nutrition. So making sure that, you know, if it's a kitten under a year of age, you go with a kitten food. Um, if the animal's from one to six, go with an adult. But if they're seven or above, then transition to a senior. And, you know, we say a senior diet, but I mean, cats generally you know, 16 to 18 uh, year life expectancy. So even if you go to a shelter and you have a seven-year-old cat, don't get alarmed, you know, at the fact that you're feeding a senior diet because it, theoretically that's less than half of its lifetime. It's just that at that age of that cat, the activity level's not as much. They don't need as many calories going in. And if you can lower back that protein just a little bit at that age, it does, you know, less digestion and stuff and less work through the kidney and the liver. So it maintains that health, you know, and longevity a little longer. Making sure that you have toys, appropriate toys for especially a kitten. <laughs> um, keeping a kitten occupied is huge. Um, that way they don't occupy themselves with other things that they shouldn't have. Um, I had a kitten that was obsessed with hair ties. I had to get on my daughter all the time because my daughter's really big into, you know, especially with gymnastics, she's got scrunchies and elastic bands and bobby pins everywhere. So I had to really get on her case. We had to buy, you know, covered things for the bathroom because she'd have these baskets that had all of her hair ties in them and the cat would constantly steal them and we would find them in water dishes or if god forbid she left a toilet seat up we would find like 10 hair ties in the toilet when you came home he just had an obsession with hair ties and he would pick them up and put them in any water source he could find but elastics can be a real hazard when ingested. So we went out and got containers that had the lids on them. So that way he couldn't get into them and steal her hair ties anymore. But things of that nature, like you find if an animal gets bored, they're going to make their own amusement. So um, like I said, for kittens, especially, you know, lots of toys, things for them to play with, um, an appropriate scratching outlet, a scratching post, different scratching pads. So that way, you know, the cat can, you know, appropriately scratch in areas that it should instead of areas that we don't want it to. Um, 
learning how to trim their nails, things of that nature is always good when you go into the veterinarian, ask them to show you. Cats are fairly easy to see where you should clip. It's just getting them used to that. If you have somebody at home that can help you hold on to them, you can kind of you know, wrap a blanket or a towel around them, make them like a little kitty burrito and do one little paw at a time. Um, but getting them used to that habit at a young age, if possible, is, you know, is huge. Um, it'll cut back the inappropriate, uh, you know, scratching things as well as, you know, getting them used to having that done without frustration or fear. Um, and nobody, you know, likes wrestling a kitty to do their nails. Um, treats, if you're going to do catnip, things like that nature. Um, and I've seen some amazing cats come in that they train to walk on a leash and do this and that. And there are some amazing things out there. You know, cats are incredibly intelligent. So if you have the time and, you know, that's your pet, then by all means, you know, I think it's wonderful to, you know, socialize, you know, the cat as much as possible and, you know, get it used to doing things. Because, again, the time you put in when you first get an animal is going to be rewarded the whole life throughout the lifetime of the pet. You know, the better and more acclimated that pet becomes when they first come home is going to show and, you know, it's daily routine throughout its whole life. And it's really interesting. You brought up the, the, the scrunchies and my friend who adopted a cat about a year ago, and she said she'd come home from work and she'd say her scrunchies were always in the cat bowl, no matter what, or she had like a glass of water in the sink. Always. She goes, how are my scrunchies ending up? And she saw one day that he, the little, Kitty was taking her scrunchie and putting it right in his bowl. So there must be something to that. But that's a whole other segment we got to do on scrunchies in cat water balls. It's the funniest thing. It really, it really, really is. And we'll catch him occasionally and he'll be walking through the house with it in his mouth. And he'll look at you. And then the second you walk away, it's in a water dish. <laughs> So funny. Well, well, thank you very much. And um, I hope everyone got some great advice uh, on adopting a new cat and bringing it home. These are great ideas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great week. Hello, everyone. Miss Olive and Sophia the Doggy Diva want to thank you for your amazing response to their special book, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home. And they want to let you know that Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home is now available in both hardcover and softcover. And that's at amazon.com. As Miss Olive says, woohoo, yippee. Thank you, everyone. Coming up, ever wonder if animals understand us better than we think? Thoughts on that next. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. 
Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Elena Manis is an award-winning journalist, writer, director, producer, whose honors include six Emmy Awards, a George Foster Peabody Award, two Directors Guilds of America Awards, and nine Cine Golden Eagles. When she decided as an adult to get her first dog, Brio, he helped her understand the unbreakable bond between humans and animals, which she shares with us in her heartfelt and inspiring book, Soul Dog. So today we want to welcome Elena Manis. Welcome, Elanis. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. And I loved your book. And I have to tell you, the cover of it is haunting. It's just so, I'm getting goosebumps. It's haunting. It's so beautiful. Um, um, yeah, it's a very special book. And for those of you that are listening, it's Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. So this is so beautiful. What was your inspiration to writing Soul Dog? Well, um, I mean, first of all, um, came obviously from the inspiration of getting a dog in the first place, mm-hmm. which was um, quite an um, amazing decision um, because I was had a career, obviously, as a television producer and was traveling a lot and had never had a dog. I'd grown up with cats. Um, so a lot of people thought I was absolutely nuts <laughs> to decide that I would suddenly get a puppy, but I had been in a near-fatal car crash um, on a film shoot and it was sort of a wake-up call that, you know, there should be more to life than just working like a demon. So I did indeed get this standard poodle puppy, but things in the beginning did not really go very well. Um, he was very spirited. Um, I named him Brio, which in classical music means spirit and gusto and joy. But, you know, he didn't obey me. He ran away all the time. And I was... Um, absolutely desperate, actually. So uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel I could communicate with him. So in some, that's what launched me into, you know, kind of putting my foot in the water of testing animal psychics, animal communicators. And I was a big skeptic. You know, I was trained as a journalist, and I really didn't believe in this stuff and the paranormal. And the book, you know, after my extraordinary journey with Brio, my dog, um, what I felt was extraordinary, certainly in terms of changing my life, and interesting because it certainly completely shifted me from being this huge skeptic. So I felt that was a a good story, first of all, and I also wanted to honor him and also to, you know, get the message out to look at animals in a different way, um, not just as our pets and under our dominion, but as um, equals and in some ways even superior to us. So that's a shorthand for what launched me into this adventure. (laughs) And I have to admit, you did speak with some amazing animal, very gifted animal communicators and bringing Brio home and obviously sort of taking the traditional route. And then you decided to go into animal communicators. How did that like benefit you? Well, um, they opened me up. I mean, they gave really the best ones that I found gave extraordinarily accurate readings of Brio, uh, reporting on details of where I lived and what streets he liked to walk on and um, things about my life um, and me that there's no way that um, the animal psychic could have known because I didn't (laughs) tell them 
anything, uh, you know, any details like that. So over the years, I mean, it didn't happen immediately. I did not immediately convert to becoming a believer in animal telepathy or communicating with other species in this way. But I had so many amazing experiences with many um, psychics over the years. Bria lived to be 15, that it really convinced me that there was something going on here that I couldn't explain by ordinary means, by the human senses or empirical evidence in the materialistic sense. Well, what did your experience with Brio and then your research into the emotions, intelligence, and spirits animals, what did that teach you? Well, I mean, because I got so intrigued or, you know, increasingly curious and I, I wanted to try to prove in a way that this was real. I mean, I did for the book, I also started interviewing scientists working with animal cognition, animal emotions, and extra animal extrasensory perception, focusing on dogs, of course, but a lot of it applies to other non-human animals as well. And um, in terms of my perception of animals, um, this whole experience with the communicators, add it with my research with scientists, um, some on the real cutting edge, really brought me to realize that, you know, this was real. I'm convinced now that it is indeed possible to communicate with another species through telepathy. Um, and uh, both, I mean, I'm convinced because of my own personal experience that the readings, as I said, were so, so accurate and also the some of the sciences lending evidence. I won't go into all that now, but if you read the book, it's really pretty fascinating. Um, reading evidence, I think. Um, so it changed my perception of the capability of non-human animals and who they really are. And in, in a personal sense, it changed my whole perspective of, you know, the nature of reality, really. I mean, it sounds like a huge, huge <laughs> mouthful there, but I mean, if it's possible to communicate with other species and they have consciousness, which science has confirmed, that they have awareness and consciousness, which used to be thought to be only human qualities, then that's one big point. And secondly, my communication with Brio, with the help of the communicators, continued even after he passed physically. So that was a huge revelation. I mean, how could that possibly happen that you know this this connection and the communication and the accurate messages from Bria about what I was doing, you know, things in my life that the psychics again could not have known. Um uh, what I'd been doing when I spread some of his ashes was down to the precise detail of where I was sitting, um, when I was eating, that I'd taken a book to read, um, where I'd had lunch one day where there was a smoky fire and I came to realize that some of this precise detail was given. Um, the psychics told me this initially, but it makes sense to convince me that this was real, that he really did somehow his consciousness endured after physical death. So if that's true for a Brio, my dog, what does that mean for all of reality. I mean, that raises huge, very profound questions, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. And I believe that your background, because you have such an extensive background in, you know, journalism research and the, you know, what, what you put out there earlier, and it's, and you were very pragmatic. And I believe that because of what you found, this is my feeling after reading the book, because you do have a lot of scientific information, you have a lot of 
details which would back up what we're talking about right now because, uh, you know, I have animal communicators on my show. I definitely feel that there is because they'll sit and say something about my animals that I have no, I mean, I have no idea about. And it happens, it comes through in a way that it's almost comforting because my dogs that have passed, I always feel that it's a comforting feeling to know that they're still with me, which I firmly believe they are still with me. And reading about your beloved Brio and your relationship, which was so special, I could see, you know, it's you, even though you weren't a dog lover your whole life, you were so together with him in synchronicity with him that I think that in his, as he passed, and also different things that you needed to know about him. There were just things that were factually detailed and backed in your book to show, to kind of verify what was going on. How do you explain the connection between pets and their companions? You had such a phenomenal relationship with your beloved Bria. What, how do you see that? Well, um, I mean, I think there are many elements there. I mean, do I personally have, uh, you know, I think, first of all, dogs in particular are wired in an evolutionary sense to bond and connect with humans, you know, because they were initially hunting companions and gathered food together really back through the centuries. But I think the connection, you know, goes beyond that. Um, as I've said, I mean, I think dogs and other non-human animals are sentient beings. They have emotions, they think, they have feelings, and dogs in particular, I think, are wired to f try to figure humans out, to they observe our body language. They, many of them, are, you know, can understand actually words. Um, so they're both science. There's scientific evidence, but there's also this evidence coming through um, the research of people like Rupert Sheldrake, a biologist, Cambridge University trained biologist in England, about animals' extrasensory abilities and perceptions and. I think they're incredibly sensitive, and I think they actually want to communicate with us. I think they they want to figure us out, and and they often want the connection. I mean, I'm not saying that about every particular species in equal ways, obviously. But um, dogs, certainly cats, um, although they're very different. Um, I spoke to, for example, a famous dolphin researcher, um, who I couldn't use her name, but she's absolutely convinced that dolphins communicate telepathically with themselves, among themselves and with people. But she, you know, for fear of, you know, jeopardizing her scientific credentials, she mm -hmm. didn't want to go public. But, um, I mean, there are many people who work with other species who would confirm this feeling. I mean, it's anecdotal evidence, but they at this point, but, you know, they truly believe that. And um, so it's, um, and it comes down to love, basically. I mean, you know, I and I also think some animals are very special. I mean, I do think Bria was an old soul, but he had a kind of wisdom that other people recognized. It wasn't just me. And I have another standard poodle now who I love a whole lot, but he's a young soul. He's a very different being, so it's a different connection. I'm very connected to him, but it's a very different connection than the one I had with Brio. Um, so, I mean, I think Brio was in many ways my teacher. Um, 
for example, he, I mean, I tell this story because like, he loved flowers, so he would pull me into flower shops all the time in the city. And he didn't, you know, most dogs will go into a store to get a treat or to get attention, but he didn't want that. He just sat in the middle of the store and smelled the flowers for minutes on end. And, you know, taught me to kind of be still in my crazy life and smell the roses, literally. So, you know, that's just one tiny example of ways in which my life with him changed me and taught me. And I think it's so wonderful because I've had dogs my whole life and I have a number of pets I love, but every once in a while, one of the heart dogs come in and they have that old soul or it's almost like they're reconnecting with us somehow. And it's, it's almost as though they fit in immediately into your life because it's it's like they've been there the whole time even though they really haven't and i kind of looked at that um the way your relationship with brio was it 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 evolved into such a kind of like a magical relationship it was beautiful and it's a beautiful read and speaking of that what is the hope for you for the readers to take away from soul dog well i mean if people are opened up to you know the possibilities of working with animal communicators and telepathy, that's great. Um, I think it's fascinating, even if you're a skeptic, as I was at the beginning. But if people can't financially or, or that doesn't resonate with them, um, I hope that the book can at least open people's minds to perceiving non-human animals in a different way to really try to understand them and, and communicate to them, um, with them, um, and know that they're they're not are inferiors and they're not dumb beasts. They're incredibly intelligent and emotionally intelligent. And they I truly believe they want to connect with us, um, certainly in the sense of dogs and, and domestic animals. Um, so I, I, I hope that it could be, you know, further this paradigm shift that I think is happening, the changing the perception of non-human animals in general. I mean, it's, we have a long way to go. I mean, there's too much abuse by far, but I, I do think that things are changing in terms of legal efforts to give animals legal rights and um, stop some of the abuse. So I'm, I mean, if the book can contribute to that, that would be great. It is. It's very eye-opening, and, and I highly recommend everyone uh, who's listening read it. Where can the listeners go to learn more about you and also to learn more about Soul Dog and where to get Soul Dog? Because I really, I do highly recommend this to everyone. It'll certainly open your eyes and open your hearts to things maybe you're not familiar with. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful read. I, I read it very quickly. It was it It was very heartfelt to me in reading it. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, the book website is www.souldogbook.com, and there are links there to buy, and there, there's um, uh, also an opportunity for people to share their own stories to contact me, so I'll help listeners who will do that. Um, I'd love to hear other people's stories, and you know, maybe I'll write another book with other soul dog stories, so I... I do love to connect with readers, and that would be great. So www.souldogbook.com. I thank you so much for uh, being our guest today, and I also want to thank you for sharing your relationship with your beloved Brio with uh, with those who read the book. It's so heartfelt and very inspirational. And again, I highly recommend those of you out there that want a different experience in reading a book about a dog. It'll definitely open up your heart and your mind. So uh, go to www.souldogbook.com 
And I guarantee that you're going to love it. So I thank you so much, Elena, for being our guest today. It was so wonderful speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. We'll be back in just a moment. Coming up, ever heard a doggy day out? We'll tell you. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. We're celebrating two very important days this month, National Pet Parents Day and Adopt-A-Shelter Pet Day. And we have with us today the Louisville Metro Animal Services Foster Coordinator, Stephanie Jackson, to share with us ways that we can celebrate these very important pet holidays. Welcome, Stephanie, to the Doggy Diva Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. And I want to know, can you just tell us a little bit about the Louisville Metro Animal Services and your job as a foster coordinator? Yeah, Louisville Metro Animal Services is a municipal shelter, so we're a city-run shelter. Um, we take in about 7,500 pets a year. Um, that's mostly stray dogs and stray cats, and my job is to place those pets in need into foster homes. So from orphan kittens to dogs, maybe with some behavior issues that need a break from the shelter, and that's what I do there. Um, and we have um, pretty good success with placing dogs uh, and cats, too, especially neonatal kittens outside of the shelter. You know, our show is all about adoption and fostering, so I think that it's, that people need to realize, and I hope that they realize after we have this discussion, how important fostering um, an animal is. So um, on that note, can you tell us about the program that you implemented, that fantastic foster program that you initiated to positively impact dogs' behavior and help them become more adoptable? Yeah, so two years ago, I went to Austin, Texas, um, thanks to Maddie's Fund. They sent me on an apprenticeship to Austin Animal Center, where I learned how to successfully place medium to large breed dogs into temporary foster homes or more permanent foster situations. Um, and they had a program where they let volunteers come and just walk dogs during the day. Um, so I kind of took a spin on that and did field trip fostering. So basically anyone can come to the shelter for an orientation and learn how to take dogs who have been there for 30 days or more out of the shelter to give them an experience of being a dog instead of being, you know, kind of just locked in a cage all day. Um, and that really has helped so many dogs because dogs that sit in the shelter develop some unwanted behaviors like jumpy mouthy, they get too overstimulated, or they develop some barrier reactivity where they might bark or growl at the door to the kennel. And that scares a lot of adopters, and it kind of makes them seem like they're not going to be a good fit in their home. But in reality, outside of the shelter, they don't display these behaviors. 
So field trip fostering has helped us show the community that these dogs are just as happy-go-lucky as any other dog. They just have a hard way at the shelter. So getting them out in the community, whether it's going for um, some whipped cream at a coffee shop or for a cheeseburger or just for a nap on a couch for a few hours, it actually makes people see that these dogs can be a family dog and they're not just some dog in a kennel. And I think that when people hear the word foster, I'm going to foster, and me, I'm a, I'm a foster failure, but I have a whole house full of dogs. But <laughs> what, what people think is, oh, I have to, t- you know, I'm going to take the animal in, I got to do this. What you have created, and actually there's a number of shelters across the country that are doing this now, it's getting to be bigger and bigger, and I believe you may have been one of the first to do this, is that it's not that commitment that you're taking them kind of like into your house or if you don't have, if you live in an apartment or if you're in a situation where you can't take them, this is just taking them out for the day, helping them with their social skills, doing little fun things with them that, you know, the dogs like to do. And I just want to ask, has your adoptable rate, has it increased since you started this? Oh, yeah. It's increased in the sense that we are adopting out some of the harder to place oh, dogs so that wonderful. may have displayed some of the behaviors in the kennel. Just, you know, for instance, we had a dog named Bella that was one of our first dogs to go out um, on a field trip, and she was really reactive to her kennel door, and a lot of people would pass by her because she would jump and scream, and she didn't, it, she wasn't very appealing behind that kennel door, but outside of her kennel, she was an absolute dream. Um, she was easy to walk on leash. She was super friendly with everyone she met. She just had a lot of anxiety inside the shelter, so getting her out and about in the community and letting people see that she is just a normal dog really helps. And we have a lot of dogs that have struggled with that. And so doing field trips and having these dog day out programs truly um, shows the real dog and not just the dog behind the kennel. So it has a, it helps our adoption numbers a lot. It actually helps decrease our behavior euthanasias in half. When, you know, the oh, first that's year phenomenal. Year. So and these type of programs, to have a goal like that, that is like... It's so on target for where we should be in, you know, in the rescue. And that's why fostering is so important. And to do this doggy day out program, it sort of is like a win-win situation. And I have to ask you, with this type of program, and of course, with uh, much more adoptable dogs, how has this impacted your community? Well, we actually have people who want to come to the shelter now, whereas before we were just seen as the dog pound. And there was a lot of negative negative connotation with that when people thought about the city shelter. They didn't think about a happy place where dogs and cats could be. They just kind of thought about your run-of-the-mill animal shelter that was killing animals. But, you know, we're so much more than that, and we don't do that. So they were able to come and see what we truly do. And having them here, well, they're at our shelter for orientation. You know, we're an open book when it comes to that. So we're able to be honest with them and tell them what our goals are for these sets and where we're going to go in the future with this program. So we've had a lot of community members who may have never walked into the shelter in their entire life come to orientation just because of field trips. So it's been been huge. I think that that's so wonderful because I always say it takes a village, and I think that when you create a program like this within your community, that the community reacts because it's such a positive thing for the people that are adopting, for the people that are volunteering and working at the shelters, and definitely for the animals. Where are, are you located in case there's people? We're heard nationwide, but you know, if people are in your vicinity, I'd love for them to go visit you. We're in Louisville, Kentucky, the south end. It's off Manslick Road. Um, we're actually going to be moving to a new shelter in June, 
off of Newburgh Road in the East End. So we're pretty excited about that, too. Oh, that's great. And where can um, the listeners and, you know, also we have a lot of rescue and shelter people who listen. So I'd love for them to learn more about the Doggy Day Out program because what you just told us shows that these dogs that may have some behavioral problems or may be a little too excitable in their cage or just too fearful in their cage, it kind of brings them out and helps them find their personality and definitely increased your adoption rate. Where can the listeners go to learn more about the Doggy Day Out program? Well, Mutual Rescue has an awesome website. Um, Mutual Rescue, uh, they have a Doggy Day Out entire toolkit for shelters and people who are interested in starting this program. So that would be the first place to go for information on how to start your own program at your own shelter. Um, I also have a lot of great resources that you know, I would be happy to answer questions if people wanted to email me. I'd be happy to share my email address. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's Stephanie with a PH dot Jackson at LouisvilleKY.gov. And I've had a lot of shelters just reach out for more information. So I've kind of gathered some, a little toolkit of my own that includes the doggy day out material just to help people get started and get some more information on how they can make an impact in their community shelter. That's that's very helpful, and thank you. And what's the website of your shelter? It's our government website. It's louisvilleky.gov slash animal services. And, and again, if you want to give out your email address in case people want to get some more information. Sure. It's Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dot Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N at Louisville. L-O-U-I-S-V-I-L-L-E-K-Y dot gov. Well, I want to thank you, Stephanie, for being our guest today, number one, and second, for all that you're doing for the animals and for bringing attention to something that I am passionate about, which is fostering and successfully impacting fostering dogs positively but you know, helping their behavior and helping these dogs find their forever homes quicker and actually more dogs finding their forever home. So I thank you for that. I thank you for all the work that you're doing, and it was such a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, thank you for shining a light on this topic. I'm super passionate about it, so it's nice to have other people who support us. So thank you so much. Thank you, and we'll be back in just a moment. Coming up, now pet parents have their own swag. More about it next. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from PetLifeRadio. back everyone to the doggy diva show today we have with us the founder of near and bjorn kimberly specter who combined two of her passions creating elegant contemporary jewelry and helping rescue animals which inspired her popular accessory company welcome kimberly to the doggy diva show uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, uh, you know, to to be with you. Oh, we're so happy to have you because I love your jewelry. I love that you have a rescue line. So could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your commitment to creating jewelry and accessories for animal lovers? Uh, sure. Uh, actually, uh, it all started 
when we found a stray dog in our neighborhood. And uh, we, you know, couldn't uh, find this family. We put up flyers in the neighborhood, also put an ad in the paper, and uh, nobody came forward to claim him. So uh, we ended up keeping him, and um, uh, we named him Mowgli. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he was the inspiration, you know, behind um, my business. I wanted to see how I could, you know, help other rescue animals and try to give back to rescue. So that's, uh, you know, kind of, that's how it all got started. You have beautiful accessories and you also have beautiful jewelry that is non-animal related. But I thought that for Mother's Day, and of course, there's a ton of, you know, cat moms, dog moms, fur baby moms out there, such as myself, who would love your jewelry because there's so much of it that is animal and rescue animal related. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, thank you um, for the compliments. Um, yeah, I, I uh, create uh, accessories uh, handcrafted, so everything's handmade uh, by me, and uh, I have uh, all I have different types of jewelry. I have you know regular kind of everyday jewelry, and um, then I have a complete line uh, that I call rescue wear. And so all of uh, that is uh, designed uh, with the animal uh, lover in mind. Uh, it's all, you know, messages of adoption, uh, rescue, and, uh, you know, not every item is uh, rescue-themed, but it's all based around, uh, you know, dog moms, uh, cat moms, rescue moms. Uh, and then uh, I give back. 20% from uh, every purchase. So it's not just the rescuer that I donate. I uh, donate, you know, from every purchase. And um, I also started probably, oh, maybe about a year ago or so, I started uh, tees, uh, T-shirts and uh, apparel uh, items as well. So, um, you know, I give back 20% of every purchase of that too. You have some pretty... Uh, well-known clients that are celebrities and you also your jewelry has appeared in uh, like swag bags and like Oscars Emmys I mean you've been out there can you just tell the listeners a little bit about that actually I belong to a group called the artisan group so they're a uh, it's a membership group and uh, they are comprised of, uh, it's a collective of, uh, you know, artisans. They uh, all create uh, handcrafted or handmade uh, items, uh, jewelry, um, skincare, I guess. Um, also, you know, maybe uh, accessories for dogs and different things. And then um, through that group, I was able to uh, get my items uh, in the Oscars and Emmy in the swag bags, and then also uh, I've had several designs on um, TV shows uh, and also uh, in a movie uh, that was on the big screen as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably about, uh, I think about 12 TV shows. Uh, Yeah, The Vampire Diaries and uh, also the show Veep. Um, yes, you know, Julia, name yeah. a view of um, yeah, Julia Louis Dreyfus, mm-hmm. and you yeah, had it on so, Vanderpump Rules. I think Shana yeah. might have worn some. Yeah, that is. Like, yeah, she yeah she wore a pair of the earrings. 
that I designed. So, yeah, it, it's pretty exciting, <laughs> um, you know, to see your things on uh, on television. So, uh, well, um, I know that. For me, that I would love to see the jewelry on me. So I have strongly hinted to my husband that this is what something that I would love for Mother's Day from my kids and Miss Olive, my little co-host here. <laughs> she uh-huh. believes it so much that she has suggested that you be a part of her favorite things for the May June issue of Suncoast Pet Magazine. So oh, okay. yeah, hopefully <laughs> a lot of <laughs> she's looking here going, yeah. <laughs> so well, I have to tell you, Kimberly, I love the I love your jewelry. I love the fact Thank that you, you so have much. an animal line. I love that you've combined your passion of creating this beautiful jewelry and also accessories with animals, um, with rescue animals and the fact that you pay it forward. So those hit like all the, the spots for me. And I'm sure that it does for many, many of my listeners. So, um, I think, again, this is such a wonderful gift suggestion for Mother's Day. Can you just tell the listeners where they can go to purchase your items? Sure. Um, Everything uh, is available online. Uh, My website is uh, nyerandbjorn.com. So I don't know if you want me to spell that. Yeah, why don't you spell it? Yeah. um, It's N as in Nancy, A-I-R. Uh, then the word and, A-N-D, and Bjorn is B-J-O-R-N as in Nancy, dot com. So everything can be found on my website. And then I do have some of the tees and apparels, uh, apparel on there as well. Um, but for those, when they click the link, it's going to take them over to threadless.com. So um, I have a shop on there. They're the, uh, the company that makes all the uh, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, like mugs, uh, everything that uh, apparel, tea and apparel items that I sell. So uh, that's uh, nyerandbjorn.threadless.com. Um, but I do have uh, most of the items on my site, and when you click the link, it takes you over to my shop on uh, Threadless. Well, uh, for the listeners out there, I think that you're going to be very pleased when you go there. <laughs> to oh, see you thank all. you. And you have so many things. It's like you have a lot of stuff, and it's so beautiful. For myself, as a pet parent, I I was thrilled to have you on the show. I think it's wonderful the work you do. I think it's wonderful that oh, you pay it you. forward. Thank you so much. Yes. So I want to thank you for being our guest today, and thank you for all that you're doing for the homeless animals and the animals in need. That That is it's just means so much that you're doing that and uh, you're doing it in such a beautiful way. So I thank you thank very you much so for much. being our guest and yeah, um, thank you. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. which if you get online for the May, June issue of Suncoast pet magazine, you will see miss Olive recommending Naira and Bjorn. So oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it was a pleasure. I'm, you know, I was so excited to uh, to be here. Oh, it's so, our I'm, pleasure. We're so excited to have you. And um, and again, thank you for all that you're doing. It's it's a wonderful thing that you're doing for the animals out there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. To date, uh, you know, I'm hoping to do much more. Uh, but to date, we've donated over twenty eight thousand. Oh my uh, gosh, to help. Kimberly, that is so yeah. wonderful. You know, I, I love animals, so, you know, that's one of the best things about doing this is I get to give back. That's what I love to do. I love to purchase items, part of a pay-it-forward-going program so that I know that 
animals, you know, are going to benefit from it in some way. And that's why you're like a perfect fit for what we're talking about here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've always loved animals. So, uh, you know, I always uh, give back to that to try and help. Thank you so, so much. Again, thank you for being our guest. And you want to give your website out one more time? It's um, nyerandbjorn.com. That's N-A-I-R-A-N-D-B-J-O-R-N.com. Again, thank you very much, Kimberly. Uh, have a wonderful Mother's Day. And oh, thank um, you, yeah, you too. <laughs> hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, we'll be back in just a moment. We would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, Spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone. That's all for this episode of The Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show, and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and The Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.